In the not-too-distant future, this Thursday A.D., there was a guy named Todd, not too different from you or me. He worked on the Smokin' Hot Toddcast, a show with his name in the word podcast. He did a good job broadcasting the show, but something big happened, so he said, let's go. To work, that is. He wanted to do a special for MST3K. It would be based around the new season. What do you say? Now keep in mind, Todd can't do all the work from beginning to end. He'll try to keep his sanity with the help of his cast member friends. Cast member roll call, Ollie, Miss Pingrino, DJ Pork, Sheila, Doc Summit, D.A. Williams, Orson Wells. If you're wondering how he eats and breathes and other science facts, just repeat to yourself, it's just a show. I mean, it, it, it's a podcast. You know, I, I didn't say I was actually in space or anything, so there's, there's, no, there's no reason to really be concerned for my safety because it's, it's just a special. Just a special for MST3K, not, not an actual episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000. So, so yeah. I should really just relax for the Mystery Science Theater 3000 special. Hello to all the Misties out there, and welcome to this very special episode of the Smokin' Hot Toddcast. I'm Hot Toddy. Uh, if you don't know, if you haven't figured out what this episode is about, uh, then you're probably not a fan of this show. But uh, if you are a fan of this show, you know exactly what it's about. We are paying homage to the greatest show in television history, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, for those of you who don't know, of course, uh, Mystery Science Theater had just recently come back to the airwaves after 17 years off the air. Uh, it had a great run in the 90s. It was on from 89 to 99. It was a huge show, and of course, that's where this giant fan base came from. Went off the air in 99, but none of us were satisfied. We were not going to take that lying down, that show to end just all of a sudden in 1999. Nay, nay, we fought for many years to bring it back, and finally, in 2015, Joel Hodson, the original star of the show and the creator, uh, came to us and said he's, he's starting a Kickstarter campaign and asked if we would all contribute. We did, and they raised enough money to do an entire season, a brand new season courtesy of Netflix. Netflix was awesome enough to bring them on back to the air and right now, as of Friday April 14th, a brand new season of Mystery Science Theater 3000 is available for streaming on Netflix and it's just absolutely amazing and exciting it's an exciting time for all the Misties out there and I'm really I'm really excited. I'm like on edge right now because I'm, I'm finally getting through the episodes I'm finally, I'm, I've got that feeling again of going in and watching new episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000, not had that feeling and like I said 17 years not since August of 1999 it's just it's crazy it's crazy to wrap your mind around that but mystery science is back and we are basing an entire episode around it now 
For those of you who are listening, I'm I'm glad you're still listening. Thank you for still listening. I apologize to anybody who may have shut the, this episode off when they heard me singing at the top of the show. Uh, if you're familiar with Mystery Science Theater, you know that the uh, the original version of the show, when Joel Hodson was the host and then Mike Nelson, Joel and Mike both sang their own versions of the theme song. Uh, so I decided, eh, what the hell, I'll do that too for this episode. Uh, little did I know uh, that in this new version, uh, Jonah Ray does not sing his own theme song. No, instead it's uh, Harmar Superstar. And I also said we won't do a cold opening. We won't do an opening sketch for the show because they didn't do that on Mystery Science Theater. Well, in the new Mystery Science Theater, they have cold openings. So uh, so as you can see, a lot of my decisions were made before the new season came out. Uh, but no you know, no harm, no foul. Of course, we're paying tribute to the entire series. So that's why, especially, and this week especially, we're going back and visiting the old series since uh, since we're all, we're feeling very nostalgic right now. All the Misties are feeling extremely nostalgic, and so that's why we're kind of just tapping back and, and just enjoying, just enjoying everything, enjoying what's going on in, in the world of Mystery Science Theater. And uh, so this is going to be a fun episode. It's going to be a rather long episode because we've got a lot to cover. Uh, we will, I will be reviewing the new season of the show. That's what this episode is mainly based around, is me reviewing uh, the new season uh, as it stands right now, what I see from it. And uh, I've spoiled alert it's pretty much a glowing review it really is it's a it's a it's, it's going to be a good one so sit back and enjoy uh, what i have to say about it um i will say this there is one dissenting opinion from one of the cast members in this week's show uh she shall remain nameless sheila sheila is not excited about the new mystery science theater and she made it clear in this week's episode so send your emails and letters to her not to me do not shoot the messenger because everybody else on the show loves mystery science theater She's the only one that does not. So you, you you take it up with her. Also, I can't remember. I think at the end of last week's episode, I said that there uh, there was a chance that we'd have some interviews uh, with maybe some some of the some of the stars of Mystery Science Theater, maybe either past or present. Unfortunately, that didn't materialize uh, this go around. I I tried contacting everybody from the new version of the show, didn't get a response back. I know they're insanely busy right now, but I also contacted Riff Tracks. If you don't know what Rift Tracks is, uh, the the old stars of Mystery Science Theater, Mike Nelson, Kevin Murphy, and Bill Corbett, uh, have their own movie riffing project. Uh, it's it's essentially Mystery Science Theater just without the silhouettes, without the robots and everything. Uh, and it's very funny. If you've never listened to them, you need to go check them out, rifttracks.com. Uh, but anyway, I tried to tap them and wanted them to interview them this week, and unfortunately, they were very busy as well. However, I did get a response from them saying there was a possibility we could get an interview this week, but if not, we they will definitely give me one in the near future. So there's probably going to be an addition uh, to this episode in, at a later date. There'll be there'll be some interviews coming out of this. Who knows? Maybe they'll get back to me from from one of the other cast members on the show, and I'll have multiple interviews. And if that's the case, there's going to be quite a few additions to this episode coming up in future weeks. So be on the lookout for that. But this week it's just the regular smoking hot Toddcast crew bringing you the best that we can in honor of Mystery Science Theater 3000. So like I said, I'll be reviewing the new version. I'll also be counting down my top 10 picks of my favorite episodes of all time. What I consider to be the best episodes in MST3K history. My top 10 list is coming up in this episode. Uh, also, this is really cool. Ollie, 
DA Williams and myself will be reenacting uh, three of my all-time favorite host segments. Uh, we'll be completely bringing them back to life, and uh, I will be playing the role of of the captive on the ship, either Joel or Mike. And Ollie will be playing the role of Tom Servo, and DA will be playing the role of Crow. But we're using our own names and everything. But just know that th- that's the spots that we're all in. So don't be confused once we get into this. So we'll be re- reenacting sketches, uh, top ten, reviewing the show, and there's a whole lot more. I mean. There's so much to get into. We don't have enough time to get into all of that. So let's get this show on the road. What do you say? Oh, oh, we got podcast sign. Let's hit it. It's the Mystery Science Theater 3000 special on the Smoking Hot Toddcast. Commander of the Moon 13 Research Station, I am reopening my family's most legendary experiment, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Movie in the hole! You are not my real father, mister! Mystery Science Theater 3000 has officially returned, and I, being a proud Misty, could not be more excited. Uh, Of course, I was a contributor to the Kickstarter campaign that helped bring it back, so I've been a part of all the amenities that have been uh, given to all the Kickstarter people uh, over the last uh, year or so, so it's been really awesome to get to be a part of just this whole experience uh, to see it unfold. And now, the new Mystery Science Theater is officially here. Season 11, or season 1 of this new era, is officially out on Netflix. The show stars Jonah Ray as the new captive Jonah Heston, along with his robot pals Tom Servo, Crow T. Robot, and Gypsy, uh, performed by Baron Vaughn, Hampton Yunt, and Rebecca Hansen, respectively, and the Mads, King of Forrester, and Max, aka TV son of TV's Frank, played by uh, Felicia Day and Patton Oswalt. It's a beloved standard finally being brought back to its fans 17 years after the fact. And uh, I, at this point, I'm not through the entire season yet. I regret to inform everybody that I've not made it through the entire season. However, at this point, I have watched 10 of the 14 episodes. And, uh, what, and what do I think of the new Mystery Science Theater? I absolutely love it. Uh, every time I turn on an episode, I get transported back in time to when I was a kid and that excitement of every week of tuning in to a new a brand new episode of the show and uh, at this rate of course it's Netflix so they all come at once I don't have to wait until the next week I'm just it's it's, it's all there and it's just really exciting and so yeah Mystery Science Theater 3000 is back and in a big way and I couldn't be more excited and like I said I was part of the kickstarting campaign so I've been a part of this uh, since it all started back in uh, November of 2015 so this is really Really exciting, and I, I'm really excited to be a part of it. Um, we'll talk about different aspects of the new show. Uh, we'll start, I guess, we'll, we'll start with the stars of the show. Of course, I mentioned them a few minutes ago. Um, Jonah Ray, very, very, very funny comedian, part of the Nerdist podcast and different shows. Um, I've been familiar with his work, not 
extremely well, but uh, I, I got myself caught up once I found out he was going to be the new star of the show. Uh, he's a very, very entertaining, very funny man, and uh, he really, I think, embodies the spirit of Joel and Mike. He clearly, and everybody on the show, clearly watched this show a lot when they when it was on and had probably been keeping up with it for years. It's just, they really know what they're doing, and Jonah really holds that, you know, innocent yet very sarcastic uh, person, very very much like Joel and Mike were when, when they were on the show, and so he's he's really got it very very good. Uh, Baron Vaughn and Hampton Yunt, who who play Crow and Servo on the show, uh, they're not the puppeteers. They they don't actually puppeteer uh, the robots, which is cool. Uh, they just do the voices for them. I think it's amazing just how well they do it. The thing about Hampton Yunt, uh, it, it, he sounds amazingly a lot like Trace Beaulieu, who played him back in the day, back in the 90s on Comedy Central. Uh, he sounds almost exactly like him, so he really brings the spirit of Crow back to life, I think, without a doubt. And Baron Vaughn, he brings a whole new voice to Tom Servo, but it's that same, you know, ladies' man type uh, robot voice that Tom has always had since the beginning of the series in 89. So uh, it's very, very entertaining. Baron Vaughn doing an amazing job, so is Hampton Yunt. And Rebecca Hansen, uh, she's a newcomer. I'd, I'd, I'd never heard of her. She was the only one of this cast that I'd never heard of. Uh, but she really brings a new brings a new era, uh, if you will, to Gypsy. Uh, Gypsy being played by an actual female. I think that's uh, that's interesting. That's that's new, uh, and uh, I think probably in this day and age, very the very right thing to do. Jim Mallon and Patrick Brinsick did an amazing job uh, during the ten, the first ten year run of doing her voice. But uh, Rebecca Hansen can bring a new sass to Gypsy that I don't think she had when she's being played by men. Uh, so she's got that real sassy thing going, and she's she got it going well. So Rebecca Hansen uh, doing a great job as well. Let's get to the Mads now. Uh, the Mads are played by Felicia Day and Patton Oswalt. They they play Kinga Forrester, the daughter of Dr. Clayton Forrester, and uh, Max. Uh, Patton Oswalt plays Max, also known as TV son of TV's Frank, and. And uh, they have a very, very good rapport. Uh, it, it's still kind of new, so I don't think it, it's not clicked as well yet as uh, Trace Beaulieu and Frank Conniff. Uh, you know, they didn't gel immediately uh, during that first season. It was kind of awkward during those few for, first few episodes. But as time went on, they really created a, a really amazing dynamic duo of comedy and did a really great job doing it. So we're going, we're getting through that, you know, trying to see Felicia Day and Patton Oswalt kind of come together to create these two characters. So it's a little different right now, but they're still really funny together. They're great together, and you can tell that as time goes on, that's going to really develop into something uh, really cool. So they do an amazing job. I think Felicia Day does well with the you know, trying to be the evil fiend type person. Trying to be as evil as she can uh, but it turns, you know, it kind of comes off as just awkward just like how Pearl and, and Dr. Forrester was. So she's she's really got that down pat. And Patton Oswalt playing the, the henchman in this show I think I think fits him well. Uh, you know, he's, of course on stage his persona is always like real sarcastic. I mean the man is like on top of everything. But unfortunately, most of his roles are that of the geeky guy. You know, the only other big television show that he's been on in recent years was The King of Queens, and he played a very big nerd, Spence, a very big nerd, and and so he was always kind of boggled down by Kevin James and the rest of them. So I think that this role really works for him uh, as TV son of TV's Frank, playing the henchman, uh, you know, the sidekick of someone who's much more powerful.
wonderful, but uh, but Patton Oswalt, very very good actor and very funny comedian. It pulls everything off really well. So so the acting on this show, I mean, I think it was it was the right casting choices. I think it was the right way to go. Uh, you know, and and it brings it brings more of that nerd quality uh, to to MST3K because you know Joel and Mike we didn't really know and the rest of them we didn't know who they were when they first came on the scene. So we didn't know what to expect, but we fell in love with them, and that's what works. But this, it's like, okay, we know what we're getting into, so maybe this is something a little bit better. Um, although some people have been complaining about that, and we'll talk about that in, in here in a little bit. But I think overall, the casting choices for this show, absolutely the best way to go. And uh, in addition to the to the casting choices, uh, the writing staff, I don't know if you've, if you've all heard about this, who, who's on the writing staff, but it's some amazing people. Elliot Kellen, uh, who was the head writer for The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. I mean, right off the bat, you're in you're in good hands. But you also have Dan Harmon, Joel McHale, Adana Gould, Paul and Storm. These are some very popular names among the, the nerd cycle. Uh, Joel McHale, of course, from uh, Community and, and, and The Soup. And uh, I think he's on a show called The Great Indoors now. Uh, he's a great writer and Dan Harmon hilarious with everything that he does uh, with Rick and Morty and everything so uh, this that was a really solid group uh, you know I think a lot of people said well that sucks that um, that we don't have the writers from before we don't have the Kevin Murphy Bill Corbett power the Trace Bullew Frank Conniff Mary Jo Peel power we don't have that anymore uh, but when you but when we found out that these were going to be the people that was going to write the show we, we relaxed immediately because that right there that is comedy gold hi everyone <clears throat> welcome to the satellite of love i'm hot <clears throat> once again we are lost in time <clears throat> <laughs> something wrong da uh, 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 you know you want me baby hit it dolly <laughs> what well come on todd don't act like you've never heard my trademark catchphrase love my millions you know you want me baby yeah it's new to me. I don't play coy. People everywhere standing around water coolers, chuckling on my hijinks from the night before, especially when I roll out my lovable chestnut. You know you want me, baby. You know, I have not heard that in my entire life. Well, sure you have. I say it all the time, Todd. I'm a cultural icon, bigger than that Ray J. Johnson guy in his prime. Yeah. America, you know you want me, baby. But don't you feel the slightest bit bad about pulling a catchphrase out of thin air? Oh, this was embraced by the people, Todd. It didn't come from me. Yes, it did. Well, like, that may be true, but I gotta justify this huge t-shirt order. I mean, look at all this. Yeah, you know, I was wondering about that. Yep, two million of them. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking looking at that. Where's the beef? Yeah. I mean, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, you know you want me, baby. Come on. Come <laughs> That's come exactly on. it. Uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> It's Hot Toddy's Top 10 Mystery Science Theater 3000 Episodes. Yes, yes, hello, and welcome to my very special list of the top 10 best episodes, in my opinion, of Mystery Science Theater 3000. You know, you know, as we as we dive right into season 11 here, this all-new era of MST3K, I thought I would look back 
and take a look at the episodes that molded this show uh, and create made it what it was. You know, created this legacy, and uh, it was a very difficult list to put together. And I'm sure many of you Misties out there who are listening probably have your own list. You may agree with some of these, you might disagree with some of them, but this is the list according to me, which are the best episodes of this show. And uh, let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. First up is number ten. That's right, The Girl in Gold Boots. This episode is very unique in that it's part of the final, or what used to be the final season of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, you know, it's just, it's a really funny episode. You know, this was, uh, this is one of those episodes that had very memorable host segments as well as a very memorable movie, you know? Uh, you'll, you'll hear this theme back and forth. Sometimes, some episodes have more memorable uh, host segments than movie segments, and then there's episodes that have more memorable uh, movie movie segments and host segments, but this has a perfect blend of the two. Uh, and in this episode, of course, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like a coming of age, you know, trying to find your way type film. And I think they had more fun a lot of the time doing movies like that. I mean, obviously the sci-fi films were probably their, their staple, but it was interesting to see them take on movies like this because, I mean, they were just, usually they were done so poorly, especially back then, um, that it was absolutely hilarious, and that's exactly what this movie is. I mean, it's just, it's just a clusterfuck. It really is. It's, it's a horrible, horrible film. But they were just so good in it. I mean, you know, you know what I'm talking about. If you're Misty, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, it's one. It's an episode that introduced us to probably one of the most memorable host segments uh, in the show's history, and that was when Crow became a stripper. That's right. He 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 strutted around in the gold boots. You never saw him get naked. You just saw his legs dancing around, and Tom Servo just loving the hell out of it. And then Mike walking in on the set, just completely mortified by the fact. Now that Crow is essentially being, you know, doing some exotic dancing, and then eventually he strips off his underwear, which traumatizes Mike and causes him to run away. And it really is just a hilarious, hilarious sketch. And the whole episode uh, is hilarious, and, and it's just, it's a really very funny, very funny way of doing things. And, you know, not to mention, you know, Crow does the stripping, but so does Bill Corbett himself. Bill Corbett was, was all about the exotic dancing in that episode because he did it as Crow, uh, obviously the puppet crow, and then he uh, he strutted around in the gold boots himself as Observer. The Observer did some exotic dancing at the end of the show. So, I mean, anything to get Bill Corbett into, uh, into some skimpy clothing and to see him do some uh, some crazy dancing, uh, well, that was enough to entertain the masses right there. So, Girl in Gold Boots comes in at number 10. And then... Number 9. Catalina Caper. This was one of the earliest episodes of MST3K. This was a part of season two. It was a Joel episode. Of course, the last one was a Mike episode. And this one is, uh, we're taking it back in the day to 1990 when Joel was still on the show. And uh, it's its another just extremely memorable one in that uh, there was very memorable host segments and very memorable uh, movie segments. The movie itself was extremely memorable. It was one of the rare films uh, that had some celebrity power behind it as well. Uh, Tommy Kirk was in it, who was very popular during that time. This was a 60s beach film, Catalina Caper. And uh, he was in it, and Little Richard made an appearance in it. Lyle Wagner was in it. it you know, there, it had some star power behind it, which was rare for an MST3K film, but not unbelievable. And uh, it was a rare comedy, too. That was something else that was interesting, was that it was a... Is that, of course, Mystery Science Theater did not do comedies. They did sci-fi, they did horror, uh, they did... You know, action, you know, biker films or coming of age films like Girl in Gold Boots. 
but this film was a comedy, so it, it, it took on a whole new element. Joel Hansen and some of the cast members of that time talked about how difficult it was to do an episode uh, for a comedy, because how can you be funny when they're already being funny, you know? But luckily, of course, like any of the movies that they watched, the humor was just so cheesy. It was so bad that it was very, very easy uh, to, to mock the film in, in all capacities. And like I said, it was a beach film. It was a teen film, you know, type situation. So teen films of any generation are very easy to make fun of. And Catalina Caper is no different. And in addition... Uh, to it being a very funny episode. Like I said, the host segments was very memorable, and it was the episode that gave us this little tune by Tom Servo. My creepy girl, won't you be mine? I'll give you scrolls and fish and tinker toys and wine. I'll ditch these guys if you'll be my creepy girl. This was kind of like the first major episode that showed off all the talents that the Mystery Science Theater cast had, the cast of that time had, that they were able to take on a bad comedy, and of course the vocal range of, of Kevin Murphy as Tom Servo, I mean the whole thing really panned out to be a very, very interesting and very entertaining episode, and that is why Catalina Caper is number nine on the list, and that's followed by... Number eight. Ega! Ega, Stemlo. Watch out for snakes. These are all famous lines from the fifth season episode Ega. Uh, this came during Joel's last season on the show, uh, but it was extremely, extremely memorable. Uh, most of the episodes that he did that season were extremely memorable. I mean, the, f the last episode that he was on, Mitchell, uh, was probably one of the most popular episodes, although it's not on my list. See, this is why there's probably going to be some dispute about uh, about my list compared to other other people's list because uh, they're, they're, I have some specific ones that I consider my favorite but Mitchell is one of the best episodes without a doubt but you also had I accuse my parents also not on my list you had gunslinger also not on my list but I'm just making a point that the fifth season uh, for Joel was very uh, very popular one and of course he wasn't there for the entire season he was only there for the first 12 episodes of season five before he left and Mike Nelson took over this is episode six of his final season and uh, it again and just very entertaining there were there were some I think the movie itself was a little bit more popular than the host segments they're not as memorable but uh, but they were still pretty funny what with uh, uh, Joel trying to give life life lessons to the bots while not cooking Jiffy Pop thought he was but he wasn't uh, oh and oh when the bots gave him Arch Hall Jr.'s face uh, that was a pretty memorable scene I, I won't I won't dispute that and of course the fact that Dr. Forrester was trying to uh, take the blood out of Frank and replace it with radiator fluid so you know there are some memorable moments for sure, uh, but this was this was kind of a, another teen movie. It, it really wasn't a comedy. Uh, I guess it was comedy mixed in with uh, horror sci-fi. Uh, it stars Arch Hall Jr., like I mentioned, and Richard Keel, the late great Richard Keel, uh, who was most famous for the James his character of Jaws in the James Bond movies. Uh, he played a giant. He played a caveman by the name of Ega. Uh, they called him that just because that was the only word he knew how to say. And it was just really entertaining because it was it was a teen, kind of like a teen comedy romp mixed in with this sci-fi element. And it somehow worked. 
I'm kind of surprised this movie wasn't a bigger hit than what it was because it actually is kind of entertaining with on its own. Uh, but uh, the, the 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 jokes done for the movie, without a doubt, were some of the funniest ones, and, and, and that's why they were so memorable. Of course, "Watch out for snakes" is still one of the most popular lines from the the entire series. I've even heard it a few times in the new season, the, for, in, in season 11. I've heard it a few times already. So you had a lot of memorable lines come out of that show, and then there was just a lot of funny funny moments that came out of it just random comments that would that would just knock me over laughing uh, right after the the infamous watch out for snakes line they're walking away from the vehicle and joel says uh let's not forget where we park supercar I, I laughed at that for days. I was like 10 years old. I thought it was the funniest damn thing I've ever heard in my life. It was just such an entertaining episode. And Arch Hall Jr.'s face, that alone, uh, was extremely memorable. So Ega, without a doubt, uh, is my is my number eight on this list. And that's followed by number seven, which is... Number seven. The incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed-up zombies. The incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed-up zombies. Probably one of the longest. It has to be one of the longest titles in film history, without a doubt. And uh, but it was a title that pretty much summed up the film at a, a very quickly, very perfect rate, uh, because there were some weird zombie creatures uh, that were that were originally humans, had some acid poured on their face, and then they turned into mindless zombies. Oh well, uh, you know. But you don't really see those people until the end of the film, which is kind of odd to me. The whole film is wrapped around uh, by wrapped around a guy named Cash Flag. That's not his mo- name in the movie, uh, but that's his that's his stage name uh, that he used for movies. Ironically enough, he was best friends with Archal Jr., who was in Ega, of course, and they did a, a film together called The Wild Guitar. But um, the incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed-up zombies uh, is a very memorable film in that it was again. This is more memorable for the for the movie itself more than the host segments. The host segments were pretty funny, uh, but the the movie that they I mean they just they tore it apart and they did it perfectly. It's it's just a very bizarre film, you know. It's about a guy who gets somewhat hypnotized and so he goes out and starts killing people through hypnosis. He doesn't know he's doing it and he's just trying to he's just he's just trying to live through this and get through this and it's becoming a hassle and when he confronts the person that did it to him he gets the acid poured on his face and he becomes a mindless zombie before getting shot at the end of the film and it's just it's really entertaining and there's you're hearing some of the music from this movie right now that's another thing that's one of those weird elements about movies like this is that they threw in just awkward random uh, songs in the film, you know, random performers that you've never heard of and never will hear of again after this movie. Uh, you know, they just throw in these songs, so you kind of have to sit through those in between the the, the horror film. And I, I've, I've always thought that was jarring. It's very jarring to, to try to deal with that, to deal with uh, you know music segments. Catalina Caper was a lot like that because you know, like I said, Little Richard was in it uh, and, and some other artists as well. So you, you had to wait. For the film to continue to get through this uh, musical spot, and it's not—it's not like you know, like musical films where uh, you know the characters start singing or something. No, everybody in the film stops what they're doing so that they can listen to these people perform. I'll never understand that, but uh, they did it in in, in this film. And but it was also again just very entertaining. Random comments—that's what I love about mystery science to this day—is the random comments that will just make you roll in the floor. And uh, for instance, at the 
beginning of the film, uh, the credits roll over this like animated uh, face that slowly but surely turns into a zombie. And uh, there's a certain point where it has like long, stringy straw hair and a messed up face. And Crow simply says, "Tom Petty in the morning." I, I that was another thing that just that just killed me. You know, th- this was a Mike episode, by the way, and uh, this was on the Sci-Fi Channel. And I, I don't want to be biased here, but I think in terms of the movies. And the comments in the movies, I think the Sci-Fi Channel era was the best era. I think those were some of the funniest uh, films, without a doubt, uh, that, that came out of MST3K was the Sci-Fi Channel era. Uh, again, disputing. This is just my opinion. I, I want to make sure it's understood that these are just my opinions. You probably have a different one about the films, and so there's no argument here. But the incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies, without a doubt, coming in at number seven. And then we go from zombies to superheroes, because at number six... Number six, the Puma Man. The Puma Man. That's right. Uh, probably one of the only superhero films that they ever watched. So maybe there were some other ones, but uh, very lame superhero. A superhero based on Aztec legend or something like that. Uh, but again, it had some star power. It had uh, Donald Pleasance as the villain in the film. Uh, and it was it was very entertaining. It was made in the 70s, and uh, it, it feels very 70s as well. Uh, this was another episode where the I think the host segments and the film itself kind of walk hand in sweaty hand. Uh, the host segments were pretty funny because uh, one of the host segments, Mike, uh, gets a bad haircut. Uh, he, he says he wants the dry look, and he pisses Shelly, the nanite, off and gives him essentially a desert on his head. Uh, they, and then later on, Crow and Sir try to turn him into a superhero and it's just really funny but Puma Man was just in, was just funny because it was another one of those films uh, that was just very easy to make fun of for instance you know he the Puma Man is a superhero that can fly but he's clearly being held up by cables uh, that are just literally holding him in the air and he's doing it in front of a, a green screen uh, projecting images of you know like helicopter angles of of buildings and stuff like that and he's not even flying straight his legs are down and he's bent over uh, with his arms in front of him so and you don't see the strings but you can clearly tell that they're there so horrible flying effects and uh, like the whole like i said the whole idea is just kind of lame kind of stupid uh, but but Donald Pleasance is hilarious, and and of course the jokes that the guys make make it even even funnier, and makes it a very very entertaining film, obviously, just like the others. So that's why the Puma Man is coming in at number six, and coming in at number five, we take a trip back in time. Number five, Time Chasers. This was uh, one of the occasions where the creators and the stars of the film actually reached out. To the Mystery Science Theater crew. Now, normally this would happen after they've done the dam- after they've done you know the, the the riffing on the film. But this actually happened before they called Best Brains Productions. I'm talking about the people who made Time Chasers. They called Best Brains Productions and said, "Hey, riff our film." Because they knew it was a low-budget film, they knew it wasn't very. It did not make a lot of money. It was. It was. You know, nobody knew what it was about. Nobody knew it. They said, "Hey, make fun of our film. Do our film." And uh, Mike and everybody agreed. So they did the episode in uh, season seven, season eight. Excuse me, season eight, first season on the Sci-Fi Channel. And they did a fantastic job. Uh, a really, really funny episode. Another, another episode where the host segments and the and the theater segments very memorable together. Uh, they, they. 
they wrapped the whole episode around the idea of traveling through time, and it was really funny. But what was even funnier was the fact that they were not expecting the MST3K crew to be as brutal to the film as they were, and they were upset about it. They were they were upset about how they treated the film. But they were like, don't you understand what we do? You asked us to riff your movie, and so that's what we did. We riffed it the way we do. And they were like, well, whatever. And normally, and eventually, it, it smoothed out. Everything was fine, and they thought it was funny. And as a matter of fact, just last year, they did it again with Riff Tracks. Riff Tracks, which stars Mike, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, they did Time Chasers, and the entire Time Chasers crew came to Nashville and watched them do the show, and it was fantastic. It was very entertaining, and uh, and like they're all good friends now. They're all old friends, the Time Chasers and MST3K crew. But, I mean, it was another stupid premise. You know, this was kind of like a, a Back to the Future knockoff. This professor uh, is, discovers time travel, puts it into an airplane, and is able to go through time. But he sells out. This is the, this is the actually, probably the biggest hurdle the biggest difference between Back to the Future and and uh, Time Chasers is that he reveals that time travel is real. He gives it to a corporation, and the corporation screws it up, and they try to get everything back, and uh, it doesn't work out so well uh, for for anybody. Uh, it's it's a long story. I would just go watch the episode if you've never seen it before. But the Misties know what I'm talking about, and it's a hilarious episode. The jokes are great, and like I said, the whole thing is wrapped around this idea of time travel. So Crow goes back in time, tries to convince Mike not to go, you know, take the temp job that uh, that eventually lands him on the satellite of love. And by doing that, he convinces him, and by doing that, he gets uh, they all get uh, Mike's rather unpleasant brother Eddie on the satellite of love, and he's a jerk. So they have to, he has to go back in time and say, you know what, remember what I said earlier? Forget all that, and everything goes back to normal. It's just a very entertaining, very well put together episode. And it's something that's also interesting about it, part of the host segments, uh, was the, the MAD segment. Uh, right before the film begins, uh, Mike and Pearl have essentially like a heart-to-heart. Uh, they, he asks Pearl why she's so evil. You know, why Why does she do the things that she does? And she's just like, you know what, I just, I can't help it. This is just kind of how the way I am. And it was, it was not, was not really touching. I mean, this is Mystery Science Theater we're talking about. It wasn't like a touching moment, but it was kind of like a tender moment. Something you would never see Joel and Dr. Forrester do, or Mike and Dr. Forrester do. And at this point, something you wouldn't see Jonah and Kinga doing. But maybe, maybe you would, maybe we'll see something like that in the future. I don't know. But Mike and Pearl having that heart-to-heart, kind of like understanding each other, really was, uh, was interesting. And, and, and it was a fun it was just a fun segment but yeah time chaser is definitely one of my favorite episodes and uh, ironically enough the next episode doesn't really have anything to do with time but it does involve getting lost in a computer and that's why this next film is number four overdrawn at the memory bank Overdrawn at the Memory Bank, starring the late, great Raul Julia. Uh, you know, it was funny. When this episode came out, I only knew Raul Julia from The Addams Family, because I was like eight or nine years old, and I grew up watching uh, The Addams Family movies. So I was like, oh my god, Gomez is in this movie. This is awesome. And, uh, and little did I know that Raul Julia, of course, had an extensive career before uh, those movies. Those were some of his last films, anyway, was The Addams Family movies. Uh, but uh, this was not part of that ex- extensive career. Career of, the, of, the, of his good films. No, uh, this was a public television movie made by uh, PBS affiliate WNET in, in New York. And uh, they made it for TV back in the 80s. And, I mean, 
I guess the PBS crowd watched it, but nobody else did. Uh, it, it wasn't really called a, you know, it wasn't kind of like a B movie, like it made a whole, like it didn't make any money or anything. They didn't, I don't think they really expected a whole lot to come out of it. I think they were just excited to have some star power behind it, which that was Raul Julia. Uh, but the movie itself, very entertaining. Um, this was, I think this episode's more more well-known for the movie and the segments and, and then making fun of it than the, the host segments. Although, there is one very popular host segment, and, well, we all know what that is. It was when Pearl and Observer come together to sing a beautiful song, and this is that song. And loving lovers love as loving lovers love. Golden, shimmering, lustrous, Loving, 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 When loving lovers, loving, 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 lovers, lovers, uh, yeah. Uh, but what, what made that interesting, uh, even though the, probably the movie's more uh, memorable than the host segments, the, in, the, in the show, it was, again, wrapped around this whole idea of public television. So Pearl tries to reach out to everybody to to send her money so that she can help whatever, you know, help people. But in reality, she's just trying to get more movies for Mike to watch. So she holds a fundraiser on the air on uh, public Pearl television and gets people to call in and send money and all that. And uh, oh, one of the uh, characters from Incredibly Strange Creatures, Ortega, is answering the phone line, uh, which was pretty entertaining. So again, that was, that was good stuff. But the movie itself is so bizarre. Of course, Raul Julia plays a guy who's just, you know, kind of like just drifting through life and people are getting tired of it. So they tell him, in the future, uh, when you're when you're essentially being lazy, you go to rehab and uh, you get a doppelganger. You get doppled. And what it is is you, they take your brain and they put it inside an animal and they release you into the wild. There's like a wilderness at this certain facility and they put your brain in an animal and you run around and it's, it's supposed to like change your life. And then you come out of the, rehab, the rehab and you're just a, you're a changed person forever. Uh, but something happens in the film that screws up and unfortunately his brain gets lost. And when his brain gets lost, that means his mind is lost within the computer because that's how he's able to communicate with everybody is through the computer. So he is lost in the computer system. And uh, he starts creating his own, his own world around him, which is revolved around his favorite movie, Casablanca. So, you know, the, it's just a crazy romp through there. And the, and the jokes are funny. Uh, there's a rather large gentleman who plays the CEO of the main company that's over everything where they are. And uh, everybody, they had a good, they had a good time making fun of him throughout the film. But it's just, it's, it's entertaining. It's one of my favorite episodes. It was the season finale of season eight, and uh, like I said, it, it, this is my list. So hush, if any of the Misties out there disagree, hush, because this is my list and I find it very entertaining. So yeah, Overdrawn at the Memory Bank definitely coming in at number four. And then we take it to the holiday season with this next one, number three. Santa Claus conquers the Martians. I think anybody would agree that you cannot have a list of your favorite movies without including Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Uh, if you've never seen this film, I think it's a, I think it's a, at least wa- at least watch it once type of situation uh, for the holiday season. 
it's a terrible film. It's to, it's a kids film. It's it's a you know it's a very happy peppy. It's it's another comedy. This is one of the few again another comedy that Joel and the bots took on and did an amazing job. Uh, you know it's amazing how well that they can take it on. But again. Uh, you know, com- the, this comedy's humor is very cheesy, so obviously it was kind of easy to do. But it, I, what, I, I have to admit, this movie's premise is kind of interesting. It's, it's a premise you don't usually see in most holiday films. And the premise is, is that Santa Claus exists. And everybody knows that Santa Claus exists. He nonchalantly lives at the North Pole, and on Christmas Eve he comes down and gives presents to everybody and then goes back. And everybody knows that, and everybody's cool with that. Like, magic really doesn't exist except with Santa Claus. And we just live that. We just live that life. We, we, are, we are about that life, and, and everybody's okay with it. Well, let's now go over to Mars, and people on Mars are just miserable. Uh, the, the children act like adults, and the adults are adults, and they're fine with that, but they can tell that the children are starting to get just a little restless so they decide hey what should we do what, 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 what do we need to do oh there's a really happy guy on earth oh his name's santa claus let's bring him here and so he can bring christmas to the kids all right so we'll do that so they go to earth kidnap santa and santa becomes uh, the santa claus on mars for a little while uh, but then eventually ends with him going back because they found their own santa claus on mars uh, so it's you know it's, it's a it's a funny little movie and then the Martians if you've never seen this movie the Martians d- prepare yourself for some bad makeup it's just humans in like helmets and capes and stuff it's just not no it's terrible um, it does have some celebrity power in it it has a celebrity in it who wasn't a celebrity yet she was just a mere child star at the time but Pia Zadora was in it as a child as a little girl she plays the little Martian girl in the film uh, other than that there's nobody else in the film but uh, it was very memorable again you know, it was the first holiday episode of MST3K very entertaining very funny the host segments uh, at least one of the host segments was now nah, there's two I think there's two host segments that were just as memorable as the film itself. Uh, one of them was where Joel has the bots uh, essentially write uh, Christmas stories. Christmas, you know, their idea of a great Christmas or, or, or Christmas past, you know. Their idea of a great Christmas and it just it doesn't go as well. It come, ends up being very depressing for, for everybody on the Satellite of Love. But there was another very famous uh, host segment. It was the first one uh, from after watching the film for a little bit where they sang a very memorable Christmas carol. Oh, let's have a Patrick Swayze Christmas one and all. And with that, Mystery Science Theater 3000 gave all the Misties out there a Christmas carol to sing every single year. And now a Patrick Swayze Christmas is really among all my Christmas carols, and it's among all the Misties out there, I'm sure. So, you know, that episode gave us a new song to enjoy. In addition to that, uh, an episode very entertaining. I mean, it was just, it, again, a very funny film and some great jokes to go along with it. So that's why Santa Claus Conquers the Martians coming in at number three. And this next one is another one that no list should be without. Number two, Manos, The Hands of Fate. Considered to be probably the greatest episode in MST3K history. Uh... Without a doubt, probably the most memorable film in that it was the probably the worst film that they ever watched, the most poorly put together film, uh, but yet probably one of the creepiest films that they've ever watched. Of course, Manos, The Hands of Fate. Uh, this was another Joel episode, and it, um, you know, it's just, it's a very 
awkward film, very weird film. The film itself, obviously, is way more popular than the host segments. Uh, and it's a film about this a little family who's trying to go on vacation. They take a wrong turn and end up at this weird ranch house, uh, which is being caretaken by a weird little man by the name of Torgo who has huge knees. Uh, whose theme is this song you're listening to right now. It's This is on a 10-minute loop, so hopefully we'll make it before the 10 minutes is up because you might go insane. Uh, but uh, his, he says he takes care of the place while the master is away. Nobody really knows who this master is. They see a painting of him. He looks really fierce, but they don't think much about it until later in the film they stumble upon who this master is, and he's a dead guy. Uh, with his dead bride standing all around him, they're, they're, I don't know if they're—I don't know if it's if that they're dead and then they come back to life, or they're just in a trance, like they're in a trance sleep. Because uh, this is a cult. It should be understood that the that the the, the master Torgo and the wives are all a part of this cult uh, that uh, worship a demon known as Manos, uh, and that's where Hands of Fate comes from. Which, by the way, Manos is Spanish for hand, so the movie is called Hands: The Hands of Fate. I just want to make sure we get that out there. But anyway, uh, so he worships, you know, they're a part of this cult, and when he wakes up and realizes that this family is here, uh, the master and most of the wives want all of them killed. That was the, that's the plan, is have them all killed. Uh, the, most of the wives refuse and say that the man should die, that the uh, women should become wives. Long story short, they try to get away from the cult. The cult catches up with them. Uh, Torgo is killed. The master hypnotizes the man in the family. He becomes the new caretaker. And sicking, sickeningly enough, the wife and the little girl, the little child, they both become brides, and uh, the ending shot of the film uh, is all of them back in their transit sleep, and uh, they're all standing there asleep as well. So it's a very creepy film, without a doubt, very, very unsettling film, uh, Manos. But uh, it's like I said, it's probably the most entertaining film, uh, and that the jokes were great. The jokes are very entertaining in that episode, but the movie itself is just so freaking weird that every bad movie lover and every Misty will say that Manos: The Hands of Fate is probably the greatest bad movie of all time. Maybe second only to Samurai Cop. Uh, Samurai Cop may come in second place behind Manos, but Manos is just such a bizarre film. Just so weird that it, it, it you know, it, it just, it bears that identity of one of the worst films ever, but one of the most memorable films ever. You will never forget it once you see it. So that is why Manos Hands of Fate is at number two. Now you're probably wondering, what's at number one? Well, let's find out. Number one. The Mole People. Probably every Misty would disagree with me that this movie should be at number one, but The Mold People has always been my favorite episode in that it was the episode that made my entire family just cackle. Everybody in my family thought it was the funniest thing they'd ever see. Now, it needs to be understood that my parents, my sister, my girlfriend even, everybody, uh, you know, will tolerate Mystery Science Theater, but nobody loves it like I do. Yet, you plop them in front of the TV and make them watch an episode, and they're over there cackling like hyenas, and no episode did it better than The Mole People. It's just, The Mole People was one of the bigger budgeted uh, B-movies that they watched. It was from Universal International. It starred John Agar, Hugh Beaumont from Leave it to Beaver, Alan Napier from the Batman TV series. It had some star power behind it. 
and it's about these archaeologists who are trying to figure out, you know, where these weird relics from time are coming from. They get to the plateau of this mountain and end up falling through a hole uh, where they end up in the world of the mole people, which is essentially the inhabitants of the of the world before it's the people that came from like the sumerian version of noah's ark from that old era uh they somehow managed to get underground and when they got underground generations that followed them never realized that there was a world above them and so that they live in this really weird underground world uh with these monsters they're the real mole people the monsters who are their slaves and then the uh the sumerian people they live their lives and whatever and then when John Ager and all of them come down there they're like demons must be killed uh, and then they convince them that they're gods and then they don't and blah 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 but it's a it's a very funny film I just don't feel like explaining things anymore just if you, you know what the episode is but if you haven't it's it's the second episode no the third episode of season eight go check it out it's on DVD um, but it's, it's just a very entertaining episode because the jokes are so funny uh, the, the the beginning of the film there's a there's a professor from the from the from the 50s that uh, does a big explanation about uh, what where this movie comes from where the idea comes from his name is Frank Baxter and just the jokes they did about him just random things again you know uh, there's one part where he's standing there and his jacket's messed up and Mike simply says oh your jacket professor this is hilarious I don't know why I find this so funny. I just do. This was just a very funny episode. And the thing that made my mother laugh the most was uh, the, the dancer towards the end of the film. She starts moving around, and Tom Servo simply says, And away we go! And that just that broke my mom up. She started laughing like crazy. And it was just, it was just an all-around entertaining and funny episode. And, um, and it, a famous catchphrase came from that film, which was, Down, 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 down. Because that Frank Baxter would kept saying that in his, his spiel at the beginning of the film down down and so that became part of the movie was down 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 so you know all around a, a very very entertaining movie so it's the episode that makes me laugh the most which is why it is number one on my list. Now, again, the list can be disputed by many different Misties, but those are my episodes. And that, and that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is... Atari's Top 10 Mystery Science Theater 3000 Episodes. Those are really talented and highly, highly, highly respected uh, writers. So uh, we, we knew at that point, the Misties knew that the show was in good hands if they were going to be the ones uh, writing it. And the content shows. The, the content absolutely shows. I mean, this when when they're in the theater, that's like classic Joel-era jokes that's going on in there. They they really pull it off really well. See, it, like I said, it's like going back in time. It reminds me of when I was a kid and I was so excited when you know, a new episode was coming on and I would just plop my in front of the TV and watch it enjoy every minute of it and it's just really it's really awesome for that feeling to be back I and mean, I felt it in 17 years so it's it's really cool uh, the movies themselves I mean the movies themselves it really takes you back to that era they have they've made some fantastic suggestions you can tell that this is a Joel era because uh, they're very reminiscent of his time on the air 
Like, well, like the very first episode, Reptilicus. I mean, come on. Then later on, you had Yangri, Monster from the Deep. Very, very entertaining. And The Love of Hercules. All these were very reminiscent of the movies that he watched during his time. But, I mean, these are just like classic MST3K-type films. Um, they're random ones, like Cry Wilderness. That was such a random weird film. I mean, like, I'm not even real sure what it was about. I mean, clearly there was a Bigfoot character, but he didn't have that much to do with it. Mostly it was about the stupid little kid having to get back to school. That's all it really was about. Uh, and then there was a, a random one called Avalanche, which was a low-budget Roger Corman movie, but like most Roger Corman films, and every so often in some of the Mystery Science films, it had some major star power. Roger Corman film starring Mia Farrow and Rock Hudson. Absolutely incredible. I, you, you just, you, they blow you away every once in a while. It just kind of surprises you. And uh, the last full episode, the last full movie that I've watched so far is Wizards of the Lost Kingdom. And uh, that's very that's very reminiscent of the Mike era, taking you back to Jack Frost and Quest of the Delta Knights. I, I love those types of movies, and they really do uh, some great work on that. And then I, I have not watched it yet, but we're getting close to it. The second to last episode of the season is a holiday episode and the movie that they watched is called The Christmas That Almost Wasn't. So I'm really excited. I'm hoping it's going to keep up to the standard of uh, Santa Claus Conquers the Martian and Santa Claus. I'm sure it will, but uh, we'll have to see when we get there. But I look forward to it. So overall, the movie's absolutely fantastic. And I'm curious as to find out who had to sit and watch these because I know Frank Conniff did it back when he was on the show and then they split up the duty, I think, uh, after he left. But I wonder who had to do it uh, during this era this that 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 probably would entertain me a great deal so i'm i'm curious to figure out uh, who who had to do that the overall production of the show i'm i'm just stunned i you know cuz back in the day msc3k was very much like a DIY type show. You know, they it was very much like models and toys and strings and they were not afraid to show it. They they want that was the joke. You know, they watch these horrible movies, but the show itself is a lot like those horrible movies in that they have very cheap budget. But that's what they love. That they they relished with that. They love doing that and that that's what made the show. And they also do that in this season too, especially if you watch the the beginning of the of each episode, the intro, you know, it's all models and stuff. But the, they've really amped up the production that door sequence that door sequence is amazing and it finally kind of gives you an idea it, it, it makes the door sequence relevant because i don't know if you've noticed but like you know when some of the doors open it's like uh, like living conditions there there's a washer and dryer in one of them there's a hammock that he obviously jonah probably lays in all the time uh, there's like a robot repair area uh, there's a kitchen in one of them so it's like it's like okay now these doors have a purpose it's not just a sequence to get you to the theater and actually there's something more to them uh, than just taking you to the theater so overall that i, I love the, the the door sequence and then also in the theater uh, the the movement of the robots that they, they they really amp that up. It's not just puppets in the in the theater. It's also some computer uh, generated and animated stuff, and I, and it's absolutely amazing the way they've done Gypsy in this new season is incredible uh they have they're doing a you know, you know back in the day gypsy of course was just one of the puppets that walked around normal now she comes down from the ceiling and uh and the th she'll pop up in the theater every so often and she'll come down from the ceiling with her long tube and it's uh, two body you know and it's just amazing how well that they've done this and uh, i mean this is just typical you know production from today's era it's not that exciting but to see it 
you know, put together with Mystery Science Theater 3000, I think the Misties can agree goes a long way. So they've put in a lot of effort with the production and in in this version of the show. And, you know, Crow's walking around, he's crawling around. The, the last episode I watched, he crawled all the way up the screen and was just hanging around for a bit and then crawled back down. And and Servo hovers like all the way up to the ceiling and he doesn't have to be carried into the theater. He just hovers all the time. And so yeah, when he go, when they go to the theater, he's constantly hovering, which is I just think it's really really cool that they put that much effort into it. It's amazing how much money we raised as Mystery Science Theater fans for them to create this level of production. So it's really really awesome what they've done and uh, they really they really took their time and and put something together that is that takes you back but at the same time is really unique and new. And I did a little research and come to find out the guy was Adam Savage from the freaking uh, Mythbusters. So obviously you're going to get some good stuff out of that. So props to Adam Savage. I'm glad he had he had a hand in in this work because he did a great great job. So yeah, overall production amazing. For those of you who don't know, uh, this season has some major celebrity guest stars. Never has Mystery Science Theater 3000 have this level, this caliber of guest stars in the show. Now, I don't want to give, I'm not going to tell you which episodes they're in, and I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but some of the caliber of guest stars that they have this season is Neil Patrick Harris, freaking Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, there's some alumni that come back. I'm not going to tell you who it is. There's some alumni. You got to go see it for yourself. You've probably seen it by now, but there is some alumni that come back. Who else was on the show? Joel McHale? I mean, it, the list goes on and on. There was some major star power uh, coming into this. So it really gives you an idea of how much Mystery Science Theater 3000 touched people's lives, you know? And not just, you know, everyday citizens, but celebrities as well. Like, I had no idea that Neil Patrick Harris even knew what Mystery Science Theater was. And clearly, this is probably one of his favorite shows, which is why he wanted to come and, and do... Because all the people that guest starred expressed interest. They Joel and them didn't ask. They expressed interest. They wanted to come and do something. So Neil Patrick Harris asked to do something. Now, Jerry Seinfeld and Joe Hodson go back a long way. They've been best friends since the 80s when they were on the stand-up circuit together. So for him to come and do this, it's huge, but a bigly huge. Uh, but it makes a lot of sense because those guys have been friends for a long, long time. So it was really cool that he would come and do that uh, for his friend. And Luke Skywalker himself... Mark Hamill makes an appearance this season. Again, I'm not telling you any of the episodes. You gotta find that out for yourself. But Mark Hamill making an appearance in this season, I mean, it's just... It's blowing me away. Now, I, I, I kind of... It makes sense that, that Mark Hamill would know what this is. I mean, he's been on the sci-fi circuit since the mid-70s. So why not would... You know, why wouldn't he know this show? And then... And, and, it just, but it's amazing, you know. It's, it's just amazing that you know somebody from another huge franchise that I absolutely love, Star Wars, obviously, uh, would would be a part of Mystery Science Theater 3000 in some capacity. It's just, it's really awesome. So the celebrity guests, the pack of celebrity guests that they have for this season, is awesome, and and just, I mean, it's huge. I just cannot believe that you know this many people enjoyed, you know, these many famous people from the enjoyed this little show from Minnesota that was on Comedy Central on the sci-fi channel it's just it's it's awesome all right babies take what your mama gave you hey ollie have you seen the scotch tape what the hell is going on here well we set up a little club here toddy good times man but da he's he's shaking his money maker that's right go baby oh i'm going check this out 
But D.A., he's shaking his various things, and he's got a gold bikini on. Not for long. Yeah, but first you gotta stuff money in it. Oh, oh, yeah, Toddy, give me my bag. We gotta start stuffing. I got a roll of singles in there as big as a pork roast. No, no, D.A. will keep all of his clothes on no matter how minuscule they are. Jeez, Hot Toddy, what's your deal? I think you're uncomfortable acknowledging D.A. is a sexual being. He's not a sexual being. He's a voice, and so are you. Man, you have such body issues, Toddy. Hot Taliban Toddy. I'm sorry if you're ashamed of your body, Toddy. We are not. Ashamed of our bodies, that is. We are ashamed of yours. He's right. Here I go. Right, oh, no, come yeah, on, no! Right. Oh, stop it, stop it! In the name of all that is good and decent! Here's a good stuff! Oh, 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 God, oh, no, no! Yeah, hey, bartender! Hook me up with a long neck and put on everybody's working for the weekend! Shake your peach gobbler, baby! Good times! The Smokin' Hot Toddcast presents The Ollie Report, a segment dedicated to extremely professional and hard-hitting journalism. Reports on headlines straight off the news ticker through the eyes of Ollie. And now, The Ollie Report. Hello there, and welcome to this week's Ollie Report. I'm Hot Toddy, and this week is a very special episode because we are taking a break from politics. We can't take it. We're taking a break from President Trump. We're taking a break from all of it because it just gets just makes us numb sometimes. Instead, we're going to look at some good news. And one of the best pieces of good news in my little world right now is the fact that the all-new Mystery Science Theater 3000 has officially hit the airwaves on Netflix and is doing absolutely fantastic. We have Ollie in L.A. this week to cover this amazing reboot right here right now so without further ado here is the one and only and a big mst3k fan himself ollie ollie how are you doing manos the hands of fate i take it you're doing pretty good i'm lactating okay well that's i we're already off to a bad start but that's okay uh, let's get right into it though the nitty-gritty here ollie uh mystery science theater 3000 has officially returned of course this was a crowdfunded kickstarter campaign that uh, yours truly was a part of and got to partake in all the amenities in this as well but after two years of waiting finally the new mystery science theater 3000 is on netflix and I have been watching the shows and been finding them very, very funny. And the reviews are out, and it looks as though the reboot is just as big a hit as the original, if not a little bit more. You know, a lot of people say I look like Dr. Forrester. Uh, yeah, actually, I could see that. It's probably in the hair. Yeah, the hair. That, that seems to be the biggest part of it. And the fact that I'm smart as a whip and could probably be a scientist if you wanted to. It's too bad I don't have the laugh track handy. Um, so, Ollie, what have you been hearing on the streets about the new Mystery Science Theater? I mean, is everybody as pumped as, uh, as we think they are? I'm in Hollywood. I see the Chinese theater. Although, you know, I did not see one Asian in there. Okay. Good God. Oh, my. Okay. Wow. I thought the Donald Trump episodes were bad. Uh, looks like we're, we're, we're hitting new depths here this week. Um, okay. Well, let's just forget you said that. You are in L.A. this week, but uh, the... Re- Let's talk about the reviews, Ollie. Let's talk about the reviews of the new show. Uh, TheVerge.com says that the Netflix's Mystery Science Theater 3000 revival is as funny and necessary as the original. They're saying that it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Have you spoken with anybody from MST3K to get their reaction of how everything's going? It is hot as balls out here. Baskets! I wish I was on the satellite of love, because it's probably cool up there. You'd have to wear warm jackets, though. There's nobody wearing jackets. It's hot as balls. Okay, so... If you have a Red Bull, a Red Bull. Ollie, uh, according to Wired.com, 
Uh, they say that the new Mystery Science Theater absolutely nails it, that it is exactly what we need it to be, saying that it's very funny and it still recaps the spirit from the original MST3K. Have you spoken with Joel Hodson about how he feels about all this? You know, I've not pooped since I've been out here. I don't know if it's the heat or what. Or maybe I'm just a little jet lag. You know, when you get on that turbulence, your butt rattles a little bit, so it's hard for you to poop when you land. I mean, you know we're on the air, right? I mean, you know we're, we're actually doing the Ollie Report right now, right? Open. Oh, God. Okay, well, then let's break it here for just a bit and let you finish. Thanks. Oh, back. So, Ollie, um, the, the uh, wonderful reviews continue to come in. The Nerdist podcast, which, of course, the star of the show, Jonah Ray, is a part of, they say it's changed a bit, but hasn't lost a step. Of course, with all the new faces and the new ways of doing things, not to mention the fact that it's commercial-free and all of that, it's a little bit different, but without a doubt, the new MST3K is just as great as the original. Have you spoken with Jonah Ray about how he feels about his new role in this show? I like Madonna. That song, Ray of Light, is great. Not, uh, not, not Ray of Light, Ollie. Jonah Ray, the star of the new Mystery Science Theater 3000. Have you spoken to him? Cool. Okay. Uh, well, all right, Ollie. Have you have you spoken Have you spoken to Patton Oswalt? Patton Oswalt is probably the biggest star uh, on that show. Of course, he's probably the most recognizable star. Uh, I know he's a huge fan of MS. He's always been a huge fan of MST3K. What are his thoughts? What are his thoughts about being a part of this new cast? I've eaten humdingers before. You ever had a humdinger? They're really good. They go great with Red Bull, Browse Tower, Hashtag Station, Hashtag Netflix, Hashtag Nerd Culture. Wow, 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 wow. I think this may be the worst report you've ever done, and uh, that's saying a whole hell of a lot. All right, Ollie, well, uh, have you spoken with Felicia Day about how she... No! Uh, well, that's what I figured. Okay. Um, Baron Vaughn? I'm not a Baron. Hampton Yunt? Uh, what you call me? Ass air? Well, that's okay, Ollie, uh, that you've not talked to anybody just yet, because we actually have someone here who took a little time and did a little research. He's watched all the episodes of the new season of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and wrote up a review of his own. Would you please welcome Ollie Report correspondent Orson Welles. Mr. Welles? Ah, the French champagne. It's always been celebrated for its excellence. There is a California champagne by Paul Masson, inspired by that same French excellence. It's fermented in the bottle, and like the best French champagne, it's vintage dated. Paul Masson. Ah, the French. A rich, full-bodied wine, sensibly priced at a dollar a jug. For a little magic, I will make this jug disappear. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Wells. Oh, you know, I just this job doesn't get easier. Well, that's it. Uh, thanks, Ollie. We'll just uh, we'll wrap it up here. Another great one uh, down in the books. Uh, we've been talking about the trying to get a great story out of you about the, the new Mystery Science Theater, but per usual, uh, this is uh, this is what we get. We'll just uh, we'll break it here, and uh, we'll we'll see you next week. Thanks, Ollie. Very well then, 
hot toddy, but before I go, I just want to say that the new Mystery Science Theater 3000 is absolutely hilarious and wonderful. And even if you weren't a fan of MSC3K, you should give this new version a chance because I guarantee you will love it. Jonah Ray is having a blast. Patton Oswalt says it's such an honor to be a part of this cast, being as he was a fan of it so many years ago, as is Felicia Day and the rest of the crew. Joel Hodgson could not be more happy and more proud of the over 48,000 backers, including yourself, Hot Toddy, that helped bring this show back to life. And without a doubt, looks like Mystery Science Theater 3000 has got staying power. Who knows how long it will go for, but it's definitely back and bigger than ever. Push the button, Ollie. Uh... What button? I don't understand. Shut up! That's going to do it for the Ollie Report this week. Tune in next time for another headline ripped from the Ollie News Ticker. Until then, have a good day and an Ollieful week. Well, if you're an MST3K fan on the single scene, I have some good news for you. There is a Facebook group called Mystery Singles Theater 3000. And what it is, it's a group that exclusively promotes to single people who just happen to be fans of Mystery Science Theater 3000. It's for single, divorced, widow, dumped Misties to gather together and try to find that special someone using the show as a stepping stone to love. If you're not a fan of the show, they ask that you see yourself to the airlock. That is pretty much just like any other singles grouping, only this time you're meeting your true love, that special someone who wouldn't mind spending a rather hot evening on the satellite of love. And I think this is fantastic, you know? Meeting people on the internet is sort of the norm now, and what better way to do this than with like-minded people, people who are into the same things that you are. You know, this is like a big hurdle out of the way. You know exactly what their taste in television shows are. I think this is so cool that they need more promotion. They need better promotion. I wonder what a commercial for Mystery Singles Theater 3000 would sound like. I wonder. In the not-too-distant future, just around the corner, love awaits you. Consider me your warner. If you've been looking for love, but have come up as unsuccessful as Dr. Forrester and his movie-watching experiments, then you should try Mystery Singles Theater 3000. At Mystery Singles Theater 3000, you can meet that special someone who loves Mystery Science Theater 3000 as much as you do. You could steal away that creepy girl and her stories of little fishies. Or, you could find that man worthy of being called Big McLargehuge. Roused Hour. That special someone who will help you take care of the place while the master is away. Someone you can always push the button with. Someone you dream to sleep next to every night. Someone who will go down, 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 well, you know. Someone who will make every Christmas a Patrick Swayze one. The person you can't resist when they say, you know you want me, baby. Uh Uh-oh, what's that? It looks like we have everlasting love sign. Always remember, loving lovers love as loving lovers love, so come build your satellite of love at Mystery Singles Theater 3000. Join us, won't you? You know, I think it's kind of hot to be wearing these scarves in here. Oh, wow, scarves are a must. You can't go caroling without a scarf. Catch a death. Man, you're like one of those kids I remember in high school that used to sell the most candy bars for the marching band. Yeah, president of the swing choir, too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> ah, thanks, Hot Toddy. Thanks, Ollie. Don't want to kiss up. Okay, if y'all will look at your sheet music, we can rehearse my new song. You wrote a Christmas song? Hey, there's no tradition like a new tradition. Wait a minute, let's have a Patrick Swayze Christmas? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, based on my favorite movie, Roadhouse. Come on, what does Patrick Swayze have to do with Christmas? Hey, you keep Christmas in your way and I'll keep it in mine, okay? <sighs> 
Well, come on, Ollie. It seems like a nice enough sentiment. Uh, we can give it a shot. Okay, okay. Well, uh, 12A time, uh, key of A flat major. Uh, Doc, shoot him the tune. Okay, you'll just have to stay with me, everybody, okay? Uh, your parts are written out. Let's have a Patrick Swayze Christmas by D.A. Williams. Pa, let's have a Patrick, Patrick Swayze, Swayze Christmas. Christmas? Right. Hit it, Doc. Oh, oh, I start. I get it. Okay. Right, right. Open up your heart and let the Patrick Swayze Christmas in. We'll gather round the roadhouse with our next of kin. And Santa can be our regular Saturday night thing. We'll decorate our bars, stools, and gather around and sing. Or we'll tear your throat out uh, and kick it, you it, in the air. Hold it, hold it, Doc. Stop it. Hold it a second. DA, I don't know if I think this is an appropriate sentiment for Christmas. Hey, what? Like a good action sequence don't belong at Christmas? Well, well, no. It's just I've never heard of an action sequence in a Christmas carol before. Well, grab a hold of your socks and read on, hot tidy. Okay, uh, pick it up for measure 20, Doc. Lovely intro. Very tasteful. Thank you. Thank you. It's my way or the highway this Christmas at my bar. I'll have to smash your kneecaps if you bastards touch my car. I got the word that Santa has been stealing from the till. I think that that right jolly old elf better make out his will. Oh, let's have a Patrick Swayze Christmas one and all. And this can be the haziest. This can be the laziest. This can be the sweeziest Christmas of them before it becomes a standard. I think you got to come with me. Come on. Ah! Oh, my God. Sheila's lost it again. Yeah, what happened? Sheila has not had a nap. No. Sheila's been awake for 17 hours. Oh, my Lord. It's uh, 19 long. hours. Yay. 19 hours. Eight, 20, almost 20. You have, reason to, you have reason to feel the way that you're feeling right now, but... The fact that you can't go eight hours without sleeping—that's <laughs> that's messed up Shush, in big—it's messed up in big ways. We're just saying, we're just pointing it out there. Well, I mean, that's normal though. No, it's not. No, I went twelve hours today and didn't sleep. No, but like, okay. I feel fine. Really? Yeah. No. I feel great. I mean, how many hours do you usually sleep during a day? Six the day, seven. the day during the day. Yeah, exactly. Notice she goes to that first, <laughs> not night, not in the overnights, not when people. She's a vampire. When I do you sleep during the day? <laughs> Two I, to four p.m. I don't I know. Mean, like, how long's your usual nap? I don't, we don't nap. Take nap. We don't I'm not four. We don't take I don't know. No, naps are 
beautiful. No, what, they I, are. Listen, I wish I you. could take them, but I don't. Let me tell you, I do take naps every once in a while, but usually I narrow them down to like to half an hour. But what? That's tw- not a nap. Twenty minutes to half an hour. It's called a power nap, and it it's very invigorating. It just it it, get, it like rejuvenates the energy real fast, it but does it doesn't nothing. it doesn't make you <laughs> sluggish like you just like you slept and woke back up. It does nothing. That's, for, that's for you, maybe, but for me, thirty uh, like twenty to thirty minutes, I'm good. I'm up and ready to rock after that. Mm-mm. But because I did it yesterday, I I was really tired. I had to get up early for something. It didn't even take long, and then I came back home and I was just like, oh my god! And so I just slept for thirty minutes. I woke up. I was ready to go. The day was the day was back. Mm-mm. I was back. Then I slept for six to seven hours last night. So I mean, I feel I feel fine. That's how normal people do it. How how long do you sleep at night, Sheila? On average, yes. seventeen hours. <laughs> no, I, that's like my problem. My daily total. No, I'm. I sleep about ten hours, and then I like to get like what? four hours. What? Ten? <laughs> ten hours? So fourteen hours in all. You only have to work ten hours a day. <sighs> you only have to be awake ten hours a day. That's it. <laughs> I want your I'll, life. Yeah, I want your life, Sheila. Yeah, really. I want your life. I bet you got air conditioning. <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> Normal sleep patterns. Yeah, no, that's yeah, fine. That's fine. That's what the statistics are all saying these days. All people really need is 10, 14 hours of sleep, and they're good. That's all they need these days. 10 hours awake is too much, uh, too, almost too much, really. If you could knock up to 15 hours of sleep, get nine hours awake, that'd be f- freaking wonderful. I'd, I would, we would love that. Let's make that happen in a world. <laughs> it's not. It's messed up. It's great if you if you can sleep ten hours, but the fact that you need a four hour nap <laughs> to compensate during the day. Four hours. Really? I would wake up wanting to die after a four hour nap. <laughs> I'd be like, Why did I do this? She, this is the worst decision I've ever made. Sheila's broken. She's dead again. I and you have the nerve to insult me about my life, <laughs> and you sleep fourteen hours a day. <laughs> you know, sleeping. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's a sad day when I'm the normal one in the group. <laughs> Out of the entire group, I'm I, the I'm only pretty, normal one. How uh, your sleeping schedule? Our our sleeping schedules are pretty normal, Todd. Well, but, no, yeah, but you, we always rag on your life is bad, and then she sleeps fourteen. She don't even know. I'm surprised she even knows anything's going on in your life because she's only awake for ten hours. You, you, uh, well, I am I'm the only one well. who lives a normal life, and isn't that's it, scary. Isn't there like a statistic that you will sleep a third of, uh, you will spend a third of your life sleeping? She's, so what is that statistic for Sheila? Ninety-seven percent of her life is sleep. I mean, yeah, ten hours a day is all you spend awake apparently. <laughs> so uh, three, three hundred. That's. I mean, Sometimes I only get like a two hour nap. Oh, you poor thing. Only two hours. So 12 to 14 hours a day you are sleeping. Yes. <laughs> and you have the nerve to and talk you act down. And like, you act like it works out so well, but there are times <laughs> when you have missed this show because your four hour nap went over. And you were like, oh, I'm sorry. You text me the next morning and you say, oh, I'm sorry. I overslept. Yes. <laughs> no crap. No, By the way, you went to sleep at seven o'clock now. last night. And it's nine o'clock now, and you're just now waking up. There's a problem. Exactly. By the way, oh, and, and with twelve to fourteen hours of sleep under your belt, you should be the nicest person in the exactly. world. Exactly. But no, no, you, 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 you specifically called me out 30, 30 minutes ago, saying you're not confrontational like I am. Like yeah, exactly. I'm comfortable 
comfortable. I'm not confrontation. I'm comfortable in conflict. There's a difference. Yeah. Uh, no, you said specifically like you said like like I'm a Marxist. I'm ready to like you know. Yeah, change comes from a bloody revolution. What? Okay, but oh, but how how can <laughs> you're not going to be in a revolution? You're going to be asleep when all of it's going on. You couldn't lead a revolution I unless they could. unless they like, do. You know how much you can get done in ten hours? You can you no. can sleep you can sleep with your beret. Exactly. I just cut out all the BS. You cut out a little bit. There's a lot of BS in revolutions. It, you know, revolutions take more than just ten hours a day. I don't think so. I no, think no, no, no. They do. They do. I'm we afraid they do. It in shifts. Okay. <laughs> a revolution in shifts. Well, I have. Yeah, my shift's the <laughs> longest. You see, because Sheila's got to sleep for 14 <laughs> hours. There you go. Or, yeah, and, and so you know, okay. I'll be here for the most most of the time, but she'll be here for 10 hours a day. So you'll see her <laughs> later. And it'll be amazing 10 hours. <laughs> The ten hour revolution, the she the Sheila memoir. And now remember it's it'll not be ten your hours memoir. straight either. It's not ten hours straight? No. What do you what is it? Because it's my ten hours sleep <laughs> and I'm up for like two to three hours. Then <laughs> <laughs> you go back to sleep. You go you're you have a ten hour you have ten hours of sleep under your belt, you get up and do something for two to three hours. <laughs> And then you go back to sleep for two to four more hours. Exactly. You don't. You don't <laughs> see anything. The rest of the day. And then you're. Then you're off. You're off for the remaining <laughs> six hours until you go back to sleep again. Exactly. Wow. That's your life. That's sickening. That's Sheila. not good. That's you sickening. understand? That's not good. It's totally normal. Yeah. Sure. I'll be. I'll see you later. I'll sleep for fourteen hours. I'll be back in fourteen hours. You all just. I don't know. Find a new home, I guess, because I'm going to be dead in upstairs. It is hard to stay up longer than that an is, hour straight. It's hard. No, it's not. It's really not. No, it's not. It's really not. Yeah. It like, is. I've been awake since 11 o'clock this morning, and I feel fine. So. No, I can't do it. Oh. Overindulging in sleep, in sleep is a is a sign of clinical depression, Sheila. <laughs> I'm happy. Do you not hear me laugh? I think that was the scariest I think it's the thing manic. I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. I am happy. Aren't you? Don't you hear me laughing? That's what you hear in horror movies. Is that line right there? <laughs> like you're that can't do a Sheila laugh. I can't. I can't ratchet up the manic tone. You know why? She she, you know why the baby laugh scares her? Because that's probably what her laugh is. She probably thinks she hears a baby laugh and it scares her. And she's but the one. That's actually, she's the one that's actually doing it. Plot twist. What a twist. Where, where are she, you, Sheila? Yeah, I don't. She you're left. not registering anymore. She fell asleep. I, sure, her. I'm googling. Is it normal to sleep 14 hours? Oh. And a, and I, right here it says an adult usually gets around six hours of sleep a yeah, day. Yeah, it says an, an adult. And you get more hours. than double that. A great sign of excess sleep and uh, being a problem is when you sleep around 13, 14 hours a day. I can see it from here. Yeah, but it says, and I'm quoting here. Quoting what exactly? Google. <laughs> Probable causes of excess sleep, tired after a long day at work. Yeah, I don't think you have that problem at the moment. You, you have got, a, well, you just got through with the. Thesis. If you were sleeping fourteen hours a day, now, yeah, right if you now, were, if you were cramming for the thesis, okay. But this is an everyday thing. This you is say, your life. Yeah, this is your. How, how long have you been doing this? You how long have you been keeping up 13, this schedule? Sleeping thirteen to fourteen hours due to thesis. That makes sense. Sleeping 13 to 14 hours because I'm Sheila, that doesn't work. DJ Pork, before she falls asleep again, I wanted to ask you, do you do you have the Netflix or the Hulu no. or any of that? No. 
He doesn't? No. So you don't, you can't really enjoy this conversation, but uh, thirteen something. Thirteen reasons why it's a very interesting story, a very interesting show. If if anybody has the Netflix, I I highly recommend. And then a new show came out today on Netflix. I don't know if anybody saw. It's a new show called Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand. I don't know if anybody has ever seen it before. That's right. The brand new season eleven came out on. See, Netflix. that's why I just sleep for fourteen hours a day because this world's just so messed up. Why? It was so messed up about enjoying Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. What happened with that? What's wrong well, with that? It's no more messed up than enjoying Vampire Diaries. Yeah. At least Mystery Science Theater's funny. This guy's getting sassy. He's going to get punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a, I don't think he's afraid. He should be. Yeah, I don't Who, think me? he is. Yeah, uh, I think I'm, I have the hardest out of the three of us. I'm I'm taller than you. I I feel like I already have the advantage. Okay, we're going to do this now. Okay. <laughs> we're going to duke it out. Yep. Uh, well, you better hurry because it's almost time for you to go back to sleep. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, what, if, what if you have to take a break during our fist fight? <laughs> like, like, I know we're fighting right now, but uh, my my nap, I just, I need to take it. Can we take this up? Can we take this up, you know, two to three hours from now? Hang on. I need four hours. Week when I get my kids sleeping. <laughs> After the four-hour nap, and you come yeah, in here. Yeah, when I come in after my four-hour nap. <laughs> what's wrong with watching Mystery Science Theater? I don't understand. That. Oh, we got that. We're gonna get through this first. What's the, what's the problem? It's not as bad as Trump being in office. No, it's just not quality. It is quality. Entertainment. And Vampire Diaries is. Oh. Yes, it's I, about. This is, I'm gonna get it's you. About, <laughs> It's gonna hurt you. It's about fictional supernatural things. Yeah, so it's Mystery Science Theater. And their drama. Yeah. And their high school grade drama. Ooh. Well, 13 Reasons Why is Take that. Too, but it's a good show. I like the 13 Reasons Why. What else is on <laughs> Netflix? I don't know. But uh, Y'all suck. I didn't say anything about Vampire Diaries. I'll have you I'll have you know. Uh, I did laugh when he said we have to stop the fight for a nap, but I, that's that's all I did. I promise, that's all I did. Now, there's a bit of controversy going around on the show uh, revolving around the celebrity guests. Speaking of the celebrity guests, uh, and and uh, some other things as well. There's a constant line that keeps coming out from like hardcore like crazy mystery science theater fans and and just people in general who just observe the show who look at Neil Pat let people like Neil Patrick Harris and Jerry Seinfeld and say well they're too famous to be on MST3K really are we going are we are we going this route you know and they also complain some of them complain when Pat Oswalt and jo- and Jonah Ray and Felicia Day and all them were were chosen they said well those those people are too famous to be on mystery science theater your your favorite show is coming back to television why are you complaining right now you you paid money to have this show come back on the air and you're complaining about the people who are on it you know i mean they didn't just pick up strangers off the street frankly i would like to see some new some people that i knew some people that i know bring the show back to life because a show like mystery science i don't think it could get away with brand new people now you know i think it i think the joel did it right you know just some people that might be just obscure enough or just well known enough 
to sneak in and create this. I think he did it perfectly. Yeah, you don't want to, I mean, sure, you don't want somebody extremely famous, you know? You wouldn't want, like, a Jimmy Fallon or somebody, or Stephen Colbert or somebody, you know, from one of the Tonight Shows or from one of the Late Night Shows coming on and, and being the stars of the show. Yeah, that, that obviously wouldn't work, but you didn't. You don't want Joe Blow off the street playing these people either. I mean, I don't think it would have worked as well at all. So I think this is the perfect caliber of, of star for the show. As for the guest stars, get over it, okay? Uh, I, I When I was a kid, I always wished that I could see a big celebrity on that show because, you know, when, when we were growing up, you know, before the internet and as a kid, I didn't know if anybody else out there knew what Mystery Science Theater was, you know? I knew that there were groups out there I found out later on that there were groups out there. But as a kid, I didn't know if there was anybody who knew what Mystery Science Theater was. I thought I was the only one, really, in the general population and general area that watched it. So it would have been cool to see some bigger celebrities on the show at that time and be like, oh, wow, they know that show. They they like this show. They want to be a part of it. That's awesome. So, you know, that feeling that I have that I didn't get to have then, I'm having now by seeing Jerry Seinfeld and Neil Patrick Harris and people like that and Patton Oswalt wanting to be on the show being a cast member on the show it just it's really really awesome to me so there are no complaints for me there, there there is no too famous to be on mystery science theater 3000 in my opinion you know bring it on let's 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 have some people and and hey you know the bigger the name maybe the more viewers you'll get and that betters our chances for a season 12 so quit complaining and just enjoy the show now there is something that really bothers me there's an there's another there to something to be on MST3K. One of the things is they look at Jonah and they look at Felicia Day, Felicia especially. They look at them and say they're too attractive to be on MST3K. The Felicia Day is too pretty to be on on Mystery Science Theater. That the, the you people need to shut up real fast. I'm sorry, but it's true. Who cares, first of all, about what people look like, you know? Uh, nobody nobody that was on Mystery Science Theater was unattractive. Everybody's been very attractive on the show. They were, you know, they were either, you know, they were just average people who put on a show and, you know, everybody looked fine. But even if they didn't, they put on a great show and these people that are on it now are putting on a great show. So who cares about looks? Leave that alone. Yes, Felicia Day is a very pretty girl. Jonah Ray's a good-looking guy. So doesn't matter. Let them do their thing. They've created. They brought back your favorite show. I cannot say that enough. They brought back your favorite television show. So quit complaining and just enjoy, for God's sakes. But yeah. So celebrity guest stars and celebrity stars on the show. Good. And who cares what they look like? They brought back the show. That's all that matters. And that leads me into my final point here. The show itself is absolutely fantastic. I mean, you know, it's like I said, they're all kind of learning to uh, gel with each other. I think Jonah and and Hampton and and Baron all together have already created a really great, like, Joel and and Mike and Kevin, or Joel and and Kevin and Trace type group, or Mike and Trace and Kevin, or Mike and Bill and Kevin, you know, they they always had a good rapport with each other, and I think Jonah and and Hampton and Baron, they've created something great too. I feel like I was insulting Felicia Day and, and Patton Oswalt a few minutes ago. I wasn't. I think they're great together, too. But they haven't really reached that point of creating that really funny duo that Trace and Frank had. But they're on their way. That's happening. It's it's going to work. And uh, 
And see, because like Mary Jo Peel and Kevin Murphy already had it because they've been they had been working together for years at that point, and Bill Corbett just slipped right in. I mean, he, he was he was perfect for the show, just absolutely did fantastic. So you know, but for an entire entirely new group, it's going to take some time. Uh, but I think it, it can be done, and uh, and uh, it is being done. So it, they're doing a great job. So the show overall, fantastic. Um, there are some things that are, it's hard to get used to, like the fact that there's no commercials. This is on Netflix, so there's no commercials. So there's no commercial sign. You know, it's just them in and out of the theater, back and forth, back and forth. You know, and that's kind of jarring. You know, because I'm not used to them going through the door sequence every every single time. But you know, as a kid, it, I I would used to pretend like I was doing mystery science theater in my room and obviously I didn't have commercials so I would do that but I just thought that's so weird they would never do that but here we are in this era of no commercials and they're doing it it's just like I said that, that's just really cool to me but like I said it's kind of jarring to see it done like that there, there's also some new there's some new ways of doing things uh, like the fact that they have a cold opening instead of just going straight into the theme song uh, I think that's really cool I think that's really, really neat how they do that uh, and how they always you know how Jonah always gets sucked up into the tube and sent back to the beginning of the show every time uh, the show starts but I think that's really neat how they do that, and uh, and and the fact that they had some uh, a celebrity musician do the theme song to the show. That's something new, and I think that's really cool too. A Harmar superstar is a huge, huge talent, and uh, he's absolutely the perfect person uh, to be doing that song, and uh, you know is absolutely perfect. So yeah, some different things, and, and, and they, they're definitely very different, but they're entertaining. They're, they're fun, too. Uh, and, and that's, you know, like the no commercial thing. That's really cool. But like, yeah, like I said, it's a little bit different. And, uh, and oh, and the closing theme, the Mighty Science Theater 3000. Have you heard? Well, of course you've heard. And listen to me, I'm asking. You can't answer me. Uh, but it is so beautifully done. They did it with an orchestra this time, and it just sounds so wonderful. I, I love what they did with that, and I love what they did with the theme song too so you know the show in that respect is 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 absolutely fantastic and uh you know the theater segments very funny and like i said the production work that they've done into this i mean it's just awesome it's 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 that perfect combination of diy and you know cgi diy and cgi they've really done some great work with this so the show overall in my opinion uh, is absolutely fantastic. So I would recommend it. If you've not seen the the new season of Mystery Science Theater 3000, I would highly recommend it. If you got Netflix, go check it out. If you don't have Netflix, get Netflix at least for the fr- for the 30 day free trial and go check out the shows. And then and by doing that, uh, there's a very good chance that there'll be a season 12 because they're not going to do another Kickstarter for for ne- another season. It's all up to the advertisers and your streaming. So go check it out. And with that in mind, let me say it again: stream it, stream it. Watch if you're going to watch the show, stream it on Netflix. Don't find it on the internet in some bootleg way or YouTube or anything like that. Watch it through Netflix because the more you watch it through Netflix the better chance they have at getting that next season and that's what all of us Misties want so we want to we want Mystery Science Theater 3000 to not just be back for a little bit but to be back and to continue on where we left off 17 years later let's pick it up and let's keep going so stream 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 through Netflix and watch season 11 of Mystery Science Theater 3000 you will not regret it one of the best shows no no screw it the best show in television is back baby and better than ever congratulations to joel and the gang welcome back 
MST3K. And there you have it, the Mystery Science Theater 3000 special on this week's episode of the Smoking Hot Toddcast. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, this is probably I think this is our longest episode ever of the Smoking Hot Toddcast, but it was worth it. That's why we call it a special because it was a complete tribute uh, to my all-time favorite show. And I, I gotta say, I cannot be any happier that it's back on the air. And I, I'm excited because I got to be a part of it. You know, I contributed to the Kickstarter campaign that brought it back and and you know it's just it's a real thrill it feels like i've done something even though my contribution was minuscule just a few dollars you know every penny counts so you know we we i got we got to help out in, in the littlest way possible and so because of that my favorite show is back on television and i couldn't be more excited and as i said in the review the new show the new version is absolutely fantastic it's funny and it's just and it's nostalgic it just brings you back if you're a fan of mystery science theater you know what i'm talking about it just takes you back uh, to the era, you know, in the '90s when we watched it when we grew up, it was just—it's just a great show, and I am I'm very glad that it's back on the air and honored to be a part of the kickstarting campaign to bring it back. Bottom line, and uh, it, it will always be from from here on out, well, from from now until the day I die, uh, my favorite show and the show that I consider to be the greatest show in television history. So that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, now, like I said, there's probably going to be some additions uh, to this week's episode because I'm hoping to get some interviews in the near future and if that's the case there'll be more to the mystery science theater 3000 special of the smoking hot podcast but for now we'll go back to status quo regular episodes however that being said we will not be back for a while we are taking three full weeks off uh, and we'll be back in a month we will actually essentially be back in a month um, we will be back officially on may 18th where we will begin our final three episodes of season three can you believe it we're almost done with this season i mean it is it's flown by season three is almost done and we will get started on those episodes on may 18th and that'll lead us all the way up to the first thursday in june which is our second anniversary that's blowing me away too at three full seasons and two full years that's just 
Ah, wrap your mind around it, folks. It's crazy. The Smoking Hot Toddcast is growing up, and they grow up so fast. But anyway, so yeah, we're, we're going to take a little break for now. If I get those interviews between now and then, uh, we will, I will definitely have those posted before the next episode. If not, we will see you all on May 18th. Be sure to follow me on all social media. That's at Hot Toddy 9102 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hot Toddy 75 on Snapchat. Be sure to follow the Hot Toddy YouTube and Mixcloud pages. And, of course, the Smoking Hot Toddcast on iTunes. You can also follow Miss Pingrino at Pingrino on Twitter and Instagram, and Sheila at Sheila Hawk and Doc Summit at Kev Summit, both on Twitter. Until May 18th, this is Hot Toddy saying, push the button, Ollie. Hi, Dan. Forgot to bed.